You're sitting in an empty room with a laptop and $9,000 in cash. And on the laptop, a blank Word document is open with a blinking cursor beside a bullet point. Now for the next hour, starting when I say the word go, every time you take a breath, $10 disappears. As the average adult takes about 900 breaths in an hour, this would leave you broke. But at the end of the hour, when you press command enter on that laptop, for every bullet point in a Word document on that computer that you occupy with the sentence, I took one less breath, $10 is added to a bank account you'll possess as soon as you leave the room. Now, there's no way to win or to lose this game, so you must define the desired outcome at the end of this hour and act accordingly. Ready, set, go. Welcome to the Impactivism Podcast, where we explore how each of us, as individuals, can get better at doing good. I'm your host, Logan Sullivan, and this is episode number eight. I'm not entirely sure how you'd handle this situation, but if I were stuck in the room, I'd do my best to first try to stay calm and breathe cautiously, knowing that each breath costs me $10. And at first thought, I'd think if I can type one sentence with each breath that I take, I'd end up breaking even and I'd have $9,000 at the end of the day. And in a way, taking one less breath is equally as valuable as typing the sentence, I took one less breath. As in each case, I have 10 more dollars than I otherwise would have had, right? So knowing I'd take roughly 900 breaths in an hour, taking 100 less would be relatively simple, but taking 200 less would be probably more than twice as hard as taking 100 less, and 300 less would be significantly more than three times as hard as 100, and so on, if that makes sense. Or in other words, I guess the, th the 300th breath that I avoid taking is significantly harder to avoid than the 100th, and the 500th would be significantly harder than the 300th, and so on. Yet, each one of these breaths, the 100th, the 300th, and the 500th, they're still all worth the exact same. They're each worth $10. But I guess typing is different. The 100th sentence that I type will likely require nearly an identical amount of energy as the 300th. You know, same as the 500th or 900th, I guess, depending on your typing stamina, I guess. But So in, in typing, one unit of effort continues to correlate with one unit of value. Whereas in avoiding breaths, each successive breath avoided receives the same unit of value, but at a higher cost. And as I have $9,000 in the room with me, I guess the most I could possibly save 
even through miraculously holding my breath for an entire hour and somehow surviving, the maximum amount that I could save is $9,000. And I'd then have to ask a different question. I'd have to ask how many bullet points can I possibly occupy at the end of that same hour? And at first thought, I question how many words per minute can I type? And if, let's say, I can type 75 words per minute, then I'll be typing 15 five-word sentences, which would, in the end, equate to 900 bullet points at the end of that hour, or $9,000 earned. So in a way, if I breathe normally, then anything that I type over 75 words per minute is profit. But if I can breathe less without sacrificing typing speed, I definitely should do that as well, right? But there's a lot more questions that I haven't asked yet. For one, will the laptop stay charged so at the end of the hour I can actually press command enter? And if, if not, then I might be in trouble. So I, I, I'd say it's probably worth the time to stop and check. And as I look and see right now, I can see that I have 50 minutes of battery left. So it would probably then be worth spending the time to switch the computer to power saving mode and try to assure that nothing's running in the background occupying excessive battery to make sure that at the end of the hour, it's still alive and I can still press command enter. And I guess if I think about it, the rules never said that I had to type each sentence out myself. So I guess what I really could do is type one sentence very, very carefully and take a moment to double check and, tri and triple check that there are you know, no errors and it's written perfectly alongside that bullet point. Then what I could do is copy and paste that twice and then select all again and then copy and paste it twice and then select all and copy and paste it twice and so on. And in doing this, it would probably be worth spending a moment researching how many bullet points a Word document can handle before maybe it crashes. I don't know if that's how it works, but... And I'd, I'd try to reach that amount by copy and pasting, you know, exponentially growing the number each time I do this. And I'd try to reach that point and then save that document, select all, open a new document and paste, and open a new document and paste, and so on and so on and so on until that hour runs out. I mean, that's just me. So in the end, I guess by holding my breath, I could possibly save, let's say $1,000 with almost no effort. And it would actually probably be good for me to calm my mind and calm my body to slow down my breathing. Then that next 1,000 could be a little bit harder, but it would probably, you know, still be a healthy thing to do, trying to reach more of a meditative state and relax. But then the next couple thousand will get exponentially harder and harder and might begin to take away from my health at some point. Though I think that point is different for each of us, depending on our anatomy, depending on the conditions that we're in. But from that point forward, when it becomes, you know, it starts to detract and, and become less healthy, with additional breaths, you know, I, I get a little bit more lightheaded and I think one of two things is probably likely to eventually happen. I'd maybe either faint and be forced to return to a normal breathing rate for my long-term health that, you know, uh, cancels out any considerations of this game. Or I'll start to lose cognitive power and I'd lose concentration as I get more and more lightheaded and I'd, the ability to, I'd lose the ability to think critically and in the end, you know, I might not have thought to conserve the battery, or maybe I uh, 
wouldn't have thought to copy and paste, so I'd just be trying to type as fast as I can. And when I figure out how to use the tools at my disposal, right, that copy and paste button in this case, which is a pretty simple example, but in the real world there's probably a lot of, of uh, more complicated tools that we can put to use, I think the potential of how much I could earn went from somewhere in the realm of, I don't know, a few thousand, uh, if I can type really, really fast, a few thousand over that 9,000 that I'd lose in breathing in a normal rate, right? Say if I type uh, 150 words per minute, then I'd make 18,000. And, you know, kind of that's the upper threshold of my potential uh, without using additional tools that are at my disposal or without thinking very critically. And when I access these tools, they, that potential goes up to, towards the threshold of what this computer could possibly handle in that hour, right? Which may have been, I don't know, billions of bullet points? I'm not sure. Could, trillions or millions? I don't know. Uh, somewhere in there. So I guess I really just hope I get an opportunity to play this game one day. episode I want to draw what I think is a really important distinction uh, between two types of actions. Now that's between the act of doing less harm, right? Limiting, I guess, the negative impacts of our living our lives and the act of doing more good, of increasing the amount of good that we are impacting as a direct result of our deliberate choices to do so. So this is something that really often comes to mind something I'm thinking about a lot, yet something that I almost never hear about or a distinction that never really seems to be made in our analyses of the actions that we're taking and what's the, I guess, the most efficient and effective route towards impacting good. And I think as a default, it, it, the actions of doing less harm often sounds intuitively a bit more simple because we're, I guess, doing less of something that we're already doing anyway, as opposed to actively making the choice to do more things that we're not doing so often, if that makes sense. So I guess taking one less breath requires less energy to plan and to execute than it takes to type a sentence on a laptop in a way. It often seems like people believe these two types of actions are pretty similar or almost synonymous. And I guess in ways they are because, you know, one less unit of harm or one more unit of good has the same net impact. But stick around to the end of the episode and I hope to convince you why that why they are similar in some ways, but in some very important ways they're quite different. And why drawing this distinction is so important if we really do want to try to accomplish an impact as much good as we can. And on a slightly different note, I think it's really interesting that, and I guess kind of sad, but I hope, I hope this is something we can talk about in the podcast, but it's interesting that when we're thinking of a game involving doing less harm and doing more good, you know, for our bank accounts, and when there's no actual winning and losing or no definition of what we're supposed to aim for. It's just completely natural and 100% it seems automatic and without any real debate to you know, instantaneously occupy the position that the goal here should be to maximize the dollars that we end up with at the end of this hour. 
But when it comes to maximizing impact for the world in general or just trying to do good, we don't so quickly seem to jump to, you know, this same type of conclusion or to occupy the posture that maximizing impact should be the goal, rather believing that the goal is just to exert some amount of effort. But again, this is a topic that I hope to be taking on in many episodes to come. You know, the idea that if we are investing in the benefit of others or trying to impact the world or the causes that we believe in positively, why not? Why don't we apply the same amount of critical thought? Why don't we apply the same amount of strategy as we would if we're investing uh, for our own benefit? So if that's interesting to you at all, uh, definitely subscribe to the podcast for a lot more of those to come. Maybe the most common example of where we tend to equate doing less harm to actively doing good is in our consumption. And by nature of being human and being alive and living on the face of planet Earth, and especially being an American, you know, where our ecological and greenhouse footprints exceed the global averages, often by magnitudes, we're, of course, an incredible strain on our environment and definitely a level of strain is acceptable and 100% sustainable, but we've long since passed that point, right? Uh, but that's a that's a different topic, I guess. So wherever we consume almost anything at all that we didn't grow or harvest ourselves, whether that's you know solid goods like food and plastics or energy like electricity or gasoline, we are placing a strain of differing levels on planet Earth. And when we cut back on this consumption, we are often given to interpret this action as actively accomplishing positive good for our environment, which we are in a way. But, you know, in actuality, we're just doing less harm than we would otherwise have done. You know, in the example before, every breath I'm taking is still taking $10 away. And even if I took no breaths, I wouldn't actively be adding any money to any other bank account, right? So by doing less harm, I'm not accomplishing more good. I'm just still doing some bad, but just less of it, right? Alternatively, you know, to take the easiest example possible, when we donate to a highly effective and impactful environmental nonprofit, like Cool Earth, for example, we accomplish something similar. Cool Earth, this is an organization that evidence supports to be one of the best means of fighting climate change with your dollars as one individual. And I discuss Cool Earth in a number of other episodes, but in brief, they work with local communities in highly strategic areas of environmental significance to empower those communities to resist selling their land to logging companies or other resource industries. And their model has proven incredibly effective, but again, more on, more on them later. So in the end, Doing one, and, and I guess this is probably what everybody's been thinking, and rightfully so, you know, doing one unit less harm ultimately has the same net outcome of doing one unit of good in most cases, right? But I guess there are two key differences here that really matter. And this is the reason that I bring forward this idea and draw this differentiation and uh, why I think we have to take this all into consideration. 
So that first difference, the one that matters is, is when we lessen our harm, the maximum amount of good that we can achieve on that particular topic is limited by the amount of harm that we're doing, if that makes sense. So when it comes to consumption, again, even living completely off the grid and only consuming what you've grown in environmentally friendly ways, the net difference between the world in which you lived this way and the world where you never addressed your consumption habits will max out at the amount of harm you would have done, right? And by living off-grid, you're not so easily able to pass on your positive lessons to neighbors and also decrease your net impact that you could achieve you know, via your interaction with your inner circle. And again, if you're off-grid with a group of people, it's likely this group of people are like-minded already. So the influence you have on them is probably much less than you might stand to have on a stranger standing behind you in line at the grocery store. But again, another topic that will be coming, you know, before long in another podcast. So in other words, if you do five units of environmental harm per year, then the most good you could ever accomplish by only limiting your harm is a net difference of five units, right? Yet, through active means of doing good, I guess you have the theoretical potential to impact a billion units of environmental good. And, you know, limiting harm is, of course, very significant, but in 2017, with the information and resources we have access to, we're just capable of so much more than limiting our negative impact. And the other important difference that really matters is the diminishing return of impact as related to effort when it comes to doing less harm. For example, you know, cutting out the first 20% of our negative consumption may take, say, two units of energy and sacrifice. And then the next 20% takes four units of energy and sacrifice, and the third takes eight units, and so on. So when donating to Cool Earth, you know, as an alternative example, and again, that's just the simplest one, you would have to donate millions before you start to see a diminishing return on your dollar. And if any of you out there have millions that you're, you know, ready and able to donate to give away, then write me a private message, we'll hop on a phone call, or I'll come to you and we'll break this down a bit more. You know, but assuming most of us don't have those millions, uh, this consideration should hold true, I think. So I guess this episode is just a reminder to be aware of the difference between these two forms of contributing to a better world. If I can offer a takeaway, you know, choose to decrease your negative impact to the point where your return on investment is optimized, if that makes sense. And I think, of course, this point will be very different for everybody. So this is for you to experiment with and be aware of and pay attention to to how you're reacting to this and find that point that's optimized for you. You know, I can't tell you how to do that and your friend can't tell you to do that. If it works for somebody, you know, you can't necessarily take their advice. And And I know that sounds probably a bit unreasonably calculative, but just think about this as you know, a guiding measure. Invest to the point where your energy investment and sacrifice are worth the impact that you'll achieve 
but not past the point where your energy for doing more active good will be sacrificed or affected significantly later. I hope that that wasn't just gibberish. Um, this is all just to say, don't exhaust all your energy limiting your harm. Now, given a finite amount of energy that we each have to give towards doing good in the broadest sense, do your best to invest that energy wisely. And this would likely be a significant investment in doing less harm and probably an even more significant investment in actively doing good, you know, where energy invested has a potential to yield much more impact in the end. And keep this all in mind when defining what it means to do your part. I guess doing no harm is something very valuable to aspire to, but I'd say doing lots of good also is even better, right? And luckily, and I know people often seem to think otherwise, but we can do both at the same time. So I hope there is something of value to take away from this episode, and if you had any particular thoughts on this topic or on any other episodes, definitely look me up on Facebook or on Twitter. And let's have a conversation. If I got something completely wrong, something makes no sense. If you have a counter argument, I, I want to hear it. Let's, let's learn from one another, make this a two-way street, and have a conversation. And you can also find uh, email addresses at uh, logansullivan.com to, to be in touch directly as well. And if you did like the ideas discussed today, you can definitely subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Stitcher or on SoundCloud as well. And if you really liked it, you can go to iTunes and leave a review, which would be incredibly helpful and goes a long way at the early stages of a podcast. So uh, that'll be all for now. Thank you so much for making it through the episode. I appreciate the support. I hope we can make this a two-way street. So uh, give me comments, send me messages, uh, let me know your thoughts, and I'll be back with a lot more soon.